welcome to the third episode of Your Simon the Run the Hunted Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow Brit, who's not a YouTuber, because YouTubers have subscribers, Anthony Williams. Hello, hello. And the lady who has numerous Twitter parody accounts, at Aussie Mum Hates Her Family, or should I say, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> It came I mean, to me. It was great. Well, how how did it even come to you? It isn't even in the episode anyway. The Twitter parody account thing is yes. It's just I always look for an excuse in every episode to make a joke about how much you hate your family. Yeah, well, this was very tenuous. I know, but yeah. the thing is, it's the last time in two weeks you're going to actually have to put up with with me oh, doing thank tenuous God. references. I'll have the kind Anthony with me. No, you'll have exactly. who's probably even worse than I'm going to be. Never, never. It's not possible. No. That's <laughs> oh, funny. So have you had busy weeks? Um, yes, I applied for the Amazing Race. Michelle is being very optimistic. Amazing Race Australia is not going to get cancelled by coronavirus. But it's not... I don't think coronavirus is going to be this epic all year. Or by the lack of quality in the last season. I think that's, that's more likely fine. to be the problem. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. You'd hope. Well, they've already commissioned it, so I don't know. Yeah, but the French broadcaster commissioned two seasons as well, and the second one mysteriously disappeared, despite asking for casting as well. Well, you've got to be in it to get on it, so I've done that anyway. See what happens. What have you been up to, Ant? Uh, relatively quiet on the gig front this week. Just one gig midweek, which was an absolute stormer. It was a great, great night, um, but busy with work at the minute. So, yeah, the week's flown by. And I've got the, the fun of having to do two podcasts, this one and uh, the Vidim one, and then, you know, prepare for my holiday next week. Woohoo! Which means that for the first time ever, I'm missing a Hunted podcast. Mm, not sure okay. about that. No, I don't know about that either. I'm, uh, I'm very ashamed that I'm finally missing a Hunted podcast, but I'm entirely blaming the fact that, you know, they scheduled it badly this year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's their fault. It's technically their fault, because, you know... I worked on the assumption it would be about the same time it had been the past two years. It's not my fault that they delayed it by six weeks. Yeah, Channel 4. How dare you mess up Michael's holiday schedule? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I am personally offended by you. You've on a lot of holidays, Michael. It's pretty hard for the stations to work around you. <laughs> I don't know where this reputation comes from. I don't go on a lot of holidays. I am away quite a lot because of you know, being at the finales of various shows that we watch and podcast that's about. Like a, well, yeah, but, but that's it, sort of like a mini holiday. It isn't yeah. a holiday, it's very much work. Yeah, but you know, no. you know, you know, if you do work and you don't get paid for it, it's not technically work, is it, mate? It's a hobby. <laughs> yeah, but if, if, you, if, for example, you look at Belgium Hall finale last year, I got into Amsterdam, got on the train, went to Antwerp, recorded two episodes of the podcast, stayed up far too late because Logan's a bad influence, and then edited and went home. That was all. I didn't even get a chance to sightsee or anything. Yeah, that's... That's not a holiday. That's dedi- dedication to the cause. Well yeah, done. That isn't a holiday. <laughs> that's my argument. <laughs> yes. I will admit that Texas is a holiday next week. <laughs> that's 100% a holiday, but... And Japan. Yeah, but that's next year. That doesn't count. Okay, Australia this year. Yeah, but I'm not podcasting then, am I? <laughs> anyway, hunted. The reason we're actually here, not to chat bollocks. <laughs> so, seven days ago, ten people went on the run with the clothes on their backs. Mervyn got caught, but nine were still in the run. 
And last week, Tony met up with Badger, and HQ intercepted her call to a contact in Edinburgh. Ella and Jess had a pub lunch, and their contact got busted, and Paul and Jill were sent to try and capture the girls. Something interesting that I've noticed in the past two weeks, at least, is they're going to great lengths to say this is how long they've actually been on the run. Yeah, even though mm. even though that can't apply to everybody because we've already seen footage beyond that point. What is what is the reason for this seven days? I don't know. I don't know. I sent, I sent you a message yesterday and saying they're definitely monkeying with the timeline this year. But they really are, because if we're working on the assumption that Rob is probably the one at the Champions League parade in Liverpool, mm-hmm. that's day eight, I think. It's either day eight or day nine. I think that's first of June, so it's day day nine. And assuming that they're telling the truth about it being up to seven days here, then they've not got long to get from Berkshire to Liverpool by the end of this episode. No. But then again, we had a lot of Dan and Haley last week where it was like day 11, day 12. Yeah, it's very confusing. But to, to your point, why do they need to tell us? They've never done that before, have they? No, in, in previous years, it's just been previously 10 people went on the run rather than previously seven days ago, 10 people went on the run. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's just a stylistic thing, but I don't, I don't know why they need to do it when it's not necessarily true. And it's never, they've never kept everybody chronologically the same they've always had people that were further on and, and that because wouldn't work otherwise you, you're potentially going to have no footage of someone because nothing's happened in seven days also if they get loads of captures in the same kind of time period then those episodes will be super compressed with footage and then there'd be nothing for the rest of them yeah exactly yeah. i think they're just saying it because it's something to say for the um for the viewers to know you know how long the actual race and race how long the actual show is running for people are asking already on uh, on one of the groups you know how long have they been on the run and why don't they give more times and Mm. yeah so i suppose it's loose it's loose i suppose it's like the amazing race when we get the start times it's it's a nice to have but it doesn't really have any consequence it's yeah it's going to be for entertainment value i suppose yeah on a show like this though if say Doug got a tip-off on day seven, but then they didn't actually properly act on it until day 12. If they put the captions on screen, everyone would be going, well, why did it take them five days to to look at that? Yeah. I think giving them more information just gives people the excuse to ask more questions on a show like Hunted. Yeah. It should be yeah. minimal information in terms of in terms of how chronological it actually is. Yeah, uh, the narrative should give the impression of it rather than it having to be called out. Yeah, I think you're right. There should be the assumption rather than the confirmation. Yeah, I agree. So we do begin with the cliffhanger from last week, which is Ella and Jess trying to escape the pub where they've had a pub lunch, an overpriced pub lunch, and <laughs> uh, and escape through the North Yorkshire Dales. And we begin with them running down the lanes and asking to grab a lift from a stranger as Jill and Paul close in on their location. Yeah, and I, I thought of something today, or yesterday when I was watching it. You know how people are always moaning about, oh, it must be really easy to find them because they're the person with the camera crew. Equally, it must be a much easier to get a lift from a random stranger when you're explaining that you're on a TV show. Oh, yeah, there's as much as, obviously, people really irritate me when they moan about how rigged and fake and everything that this show is. They don't do these sort of things to advantage one side because for no. ev- every advantage of 
HQ being able to find someone using a camera crew, but the argument there is, if they're close enough to spot the camera crew, they're probably close enough to capture you anyway. Yep. You then get the advantage of people being able to go, I'm on a TV show, I'm on the run from these horrible nasty hunters, can you help me? People are probably going to say yes just to, you know, get their 15 minutes of fame. Exactly. And not and not just that, they think that you're a safe person. If you were just two random guys, say, you know, not, not just the girls who ask, but if you're two random guys, you're not going to give them a lift anywhere. But if they've got a, a cameraman and a sound man with them, then you're going to go, okay, get in. You feel yeah. safer. Anyway. Exactly. So I think that's a really fair equaliser. That was just a point I wanted to make. And Jill goes into the pub, and the guy behind the bar who lent the girls a phone last week just completely dubs them in straight away, tells Jill they left in a hurry. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> I don't think she even needed to offer him any money for that one. No, no. Yeah, they went that way. <laughs> and Sherlock says that he's frustrated that the girls escaped because there's minimal CCTV in the area. And did you notice that the ring looks a little bit like the profile of Alfred Hitchcock? No. no. If you go back and watch the episode, now, when Sherlock's saying that he's really frustrated and, you know, fuck this, fuck that, because he was hella sweary this week. Oh, my God. It was, it was, the whole episode was swearing. Oh, my gosh. Everyone. Yeah, when he complains about the minimal CCTV, look at the kind of ring of suspicion that is on the wall behind him, because it looks like the side profile of Alfred Hitchcock that you see in his films. <laughs> it's very distracting. Oh, God. Well, for someone who notices it, yes. Well, it was literally my first thought when I was watching it uh, on Catch Up yesterday. I'll have was, to that. was that really looks like Alfred Hitchcock's portrait? <laughs> you are weird. Thanks, love you too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a quick update on the remaining nine fugitives, and Tony is the furthest north of them because she's thirty miles from Edinburgh, and we return to the House of Badger. <laughs> I love, I, love, I love Badger. Could you have a spin-off series? <laughs> well, what I talked about last week about them being on a, uh, a TV show together, they were on a TV show on um, on BBC Two together last year. Yeah, a dog show. Yeah, it was a dog show of some description. Um, Badger does indeed have a, um, a border collie, I believe, called Badger. And anyone who knows me knows the way to my heart very quickly is to show me pictures of cute border collies. <laughs> so yeah, Badger's my favourite now. But Badger is going to pass her on to three sisters who live in Edinburgh, or in the Edinburgh area. But before she does, Tony asks her for a disguise. And we only see two of the disguises. One is a horrid pink cycling cap, but the other is our banner for the week, and it is Tony wearing a Badger mask. It's brilliant. Do you know what? If she'd have taken that and gone the rest of the run wearing a Badger mask, that would have been just so good. And Tony says in confessional that she thinks the hunters will underestimate her, thinking she drives a Land Rover and has two Labradors, which is true. But also she rides motorbikes, she's jumped out of planes, she's trained as a stuntwoman, she's a diver, you can do anything and be a mum on the road. She's basically Survivor's Debbie. <laughs> yes, isn't she? <laughs> and let's be real, being a mum on the run is probably Michelle's most desired thing in the world. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be for any mum. <laughs> I was reading something last week. I was reading something and, and some mum was saying, you know, it would be haha. It would be great to be able to just go on one of these shows <laughs> so you get time out from the family. Um and I thought, yeah, all mums think the same. 
Mm-hmm. But what, why has Badger got a stash of Scottish £20 notes? Well, she lives in the Scottish borders. Oh, seemed a bit strange to have just a stash ready, just in case. Yeah, but have you ever tried to use English notes in Scotland? Oh, yeah. It's a nightmare. Actually, to be fair, not as much of a nightmare as trying to use Scottish banknotes in England. That is very true. In fact, uh, it's only really major supermarkets where you can exchange Scottish notes for real money. Yep. If I ever go to Scotland and I have to use cash, I always try and get rid of the Scottish notes before I come back over the border because it's always a nightmare. Is Badger in the very north of England? She's not in Scotland. No, so Badger's in the Scottish borders, according to the um, the right. description we saw in the episode both this week and last week. Okay. One of my brothers used to live up near the borders. Dumfries? Dumfries and Galloway? Dumfries and Galloway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she, she's kind of just across the border. Oh, uh, okay. I, I thought she was this side. That, that makes more sense. She's got some Scottish notes kicking around there. Yeah, because that's why she she probably just knew that Tony was going to be coming, had some cash ready anyway, and it just so happens to be Scottish notes, so she won't be able to spend it anywhere other than Scotland. Mm. And in the second thing that I spotted this week, because there's quite a few of them, when they're trying to track the link between Badger and Rhoda, who is the person who received the call last week, we see a screenshot of Rhoda's Facebook page, but I wasn't looking at Rhoda's Facebook page. I was trying to work out whose account it was that they were looking at this from. Mm. Because it was a really blurry screenshot, but that person had 67 Facebook notifications. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why they actually didn't, you know, blur everything to do with the person, but I think if you looked at it in enough high quality, you could probably work out which hunter was actually using their own personal account to snoop on people on Facebook. Interesting. The implication is it was probably Julie because she was the one who was introducing it, but I don't know. I was trying to work it out from the um, the thumbnail picture because, you know, I'm a massive stalker. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So HQ make the connection between Rhoda and Alice, who is her sister, and then Rhoda drops Tony off in Edinburgh and Alice drives her to meet the third sister, Maureen, just south of Aberdeen. Tony says in the car ride there that stressing yourself out wouldn't work. It would just lead to you getting caught. Which is a very good point. Um, but, oh, come on, it's too closely linked. You can't use... We're back to the chain of people mm. thing. Person one has to be unlinked. It doesn't matter that it's a sister of a sister of a sister if the first person is easy to track. So annoying. Start mm. with a stranger and then get a stranger's friend. Then you get some separation. You know what does lead to people getting caught? Telematics on cars. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You need an old car. You need to see, you need to find someone in the street. So do you have a, like, a car built in the, I don't know, 1990s? Great, I'm getting in. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so Alice is tracked uh, northbound on the M90. And so in the first segment of the episode, for the first time this year, we have a Nick come on. I was wondering whether you guys would have spotted that. No, I didn't. Otherwise I would have written it down. It was literally the last thing before the ad break was, come on! How did I miss that? I didn't get it either. Maybe because it wasn't Danny, I wasn't tuned in. Well, Danny's still rubbing off on her, even though they've not been partners for two years now. No, I'm still still not happy about that. No, it's still not right, (laughs) is it? No. As much as we love Jordan and Danny. I love all the hunters, but... Danny and Nick, 
that's it. That's the Cagney and Lacey have hunted. I want them back together. And interestingly, when she gets out of the car, Tony's wearing a GoPro harness. Yes. And there was a lot of that this week, actually. There, there yes, I want to ago. bring that up later, actually. So do I, because um, I always like to mm. point it out, but there was a lot of it this week. Yeah, we'll get to that. It's down yeah. the bottom of my page. So when the telematics <laughs> information stops at 11.56am, they get Maureen's address. And in the most controversial bit of the entire episode, Nick manages to sneak into the house through an open door at the back. And the yes. house is empty. Mm. And the reason that I know the answer to this is because of friend of the show, Kevin O'Leary. Do you know why she was allowed to do that? Uh, no, because I thought they only had carte blanche with relatives, like close relatives, like parents and things like that. And even then, oh, there'd be some restrictions at being allowed to just walk right on in. It sounds like a loophole with it being not locked or something. The official argument is that the show hunted replicates the power of the state. In Scotland, there is the powers of entry. <sighs> so in Scotland, if you are hiding out as a fugitive, they can just sneak into your home if um, if you leave it unlocked. If they believe that you're harbouring a fugitive. Uh, cool. And I'm sure Kevin will correct me on the exact wording of that, but that's what he said on Twitter. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, in, in Scotland, the police have some powers of entry at common law when they're in close pursuit of someone who they believe is committed or is about to commit a serious crime, or they detect a disturbance, or they hear cries for help or of distress. Yeah, very good. I like it. I like that they've used the Scottish local law. That's cool. I like that. So yeah, it is a loophole, but it's a fun loophole. Yeah. Although, do you know what? I'm, I'm definitely starting to get jaded by this show because I knew the second she walked in the house they weren't there. <laughs> you knew it was a trick. Oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's a fake out. They've gone. The, the, nothing is going to happen here. You can put as much tense music on as you like. They're not going to find them here. <laughs> is that tense music by composer Nick Harvey? Mr. Nick Harvey himself, indeed. The giraffe wrangler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Maureen takes Tony to a friend, knowing that HQ are potentially tracking her. However, the friend she chooses is literally down the road. And then HQ deploy a drone, and two hunter teams are sent to spot any runners. And in probably the bitchiest bit of the entire episode, Nick describes Tony as late 40s, early 50s. I know! Surely they've got their, they've got their date of birth. Yeah, I I didn't think Tony was that old. How old is she? I don't think we've seen her date of birth. I know they've got it, because they've, they've used it in previous shows, but... I mean, I don't think she's far out. I mean, she probably is late 40s. Yeah, but it's still a little bit bitchy to say, to just introduce her as late 40s, early 50s. Well, it does kind of depend what her actual age is. If she's 56, then it's quite complimentary, isn't it? I am currently trying to find out how old Tony is. So am I, (laughs) so am I. They've had it on the whiteboards before, but I don't think they've shown it this year. Oh my gosh, I've seen something else, though, from 2018. Tony takes her two pets on walkies through the park. They're micro pigs. What? <laughs> oh, she's hella eccentric. <laughs> what is this? Oh my god, it's in the Daily Mail. Meet Snout and Crackling. They even star in an eHarmony dating ad. Oh my gosh, oh. there's a photo of her with a pig. You need to see this. 
Oh my gosh, of there's a picture there of her taking the pics for a walk. I am sending you this link. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. See, we don't know her age, but we know she had pigs. Yeah, nowhere does it actually report her age, which is very interesting. Let's get there. We'll get there eventually. One's very spotty. It's literally the pig's taking her for a walk. Oh, there's a video as well. <laughs> because of course there is. <laughs> oh, please. Please look at it. Lillette. Oh, my God. Oh, God. She's, do you think she was recruited? I think so, yeah. Well, could have been with stuff like this going on. Yeah, she's exactly who you want on this show, isn't she? If she applied, I don't know how she didn't apply in previous years. Yeah. That's the (laughs) argument I would make. Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh, here we go. We've got a link. Do you know who the Radio 4 presenter is, John Humphreys? Yeah, yeah, very, very well. So on the walk, they met John Humphreys, and he uses their poo for fertiliser. So we could have seen John Humphreys if she'd lasted long enough. There's a media link there. Brilliant. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I don't even know where we were now. Oh, she's probably hiding in the bedroom, is she? The late 40s, early 50s bit. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, basically no is. interview or no article or anything does it actually confirm how old Tony is. I'm, I'm taking this as a... What is this? No, Antonio is Hammersmith and Fulham is 41 to 50 and is a dressmaker. What does that mean? She's in that range of 41 to 50. So by that token, it's probably a bit mean to describe her as as late 40s, early 50s. I think in her 40s would have been more complimentary. She She's 49. How do you know? How do you so get that? Because, because I'm a ethical hacker. I've got an oh, I've got another thing which is about a thousand Londoners, and she's in that. She's um, I don't know what number she is, but she's in that. There's a oh God, I, I feel dirty now because I just had to click on a link to the Daily Mail. Um, <laughs> Disinfect Daily everything. Mail. Just assume you have coronavirus now. Yeah. Uh, Antonia Pugh Thomas has three children: two dogs, two cats, two pigs, a snake, a business, and a long-suffering husband. Age 49, she recently had a hysterectomy, which she said concentrates the mind on what it means to be a middle-aged woman with too much on her plate. So she's 49, and that's... And when was that written? Uh, A couple of days ago. Oh, wow, okay. Big assumption that anything in the Daily Mail is actually written, Michelle. (laughs) She's younger than me. Yeah, it may not be true. Um... (laughs) And Tony is well aware that she's a completely bizarre entity. Yeah, (laughs) I think we've established that. And she spots Kayam through the curtains, walking down the street and hides. And then, because nobody answers the door, HQ identify her property as suspicious. And she feels sick as a cat, she's shit scared. And then she burps and apologises. And Nick forces her way in. Wait a minute. I've got three questions first. Three questions. I don't understand. I've never heard the expression, I feel as sick as a cat. I've heard sick as a dog. I've never heard sick as a cat. I'm wondering how sick you are when you're sick as a cat. Um, second question, um, does Sherlock know a Mrs. Miggins when uh, he asked if she sat with Mrs. Miggins next door? I thought it was quite a random name. And the other question, why are they suspicious every time they can't 
get into a house? Like, doesn't anyone ever go to a shop over there or go out to visit friends? Maybe it was the only house on the street where nobody responded. Still? What does it matter? I don't. I find that weird because I'm hardly ever home on the weekends. I'm never home during the week. So if anyone came to knock on my door, there wouldn't there hardly ever be anyone here anytime. They also might have seen some movement. So they might have knocked on the door and then there were people moving behind the curtains and things. Yeah. Why, why did they do that? Why did they go up, like, later on, one of the fugitives goes to the damn curtains? Why? I, I think it's just irresistible, isn't it? I think if you're in panic, I don't, I don't think you'd help yourself. I, I I'd go to an upstairs that. window and look down. Mm, I'm not sure you're thinking that rationally. That, that was what I put it down to. But, yeah. It was, it was really unfortunate. I, I was hoping she was going to do way more bonkers stuff before she got caught. Yeah, I think we would have had some crazy plans from Tony if she'd lasted longer. Yeah. It's a shame. And it is that it all goes back to that you've not got enough separation. There's too much of a link between you and the people that are helping you. Such a shame. But the biggest abomination of this entire episode is the fact that when Nick catches Tony, she doesn't even do the catchphrase properly. I know. She says, your time in the run is up, not your time in the run is over. I know. And I mean, I come on, we are a struggling podcast as it is. You need to give us all the press <laughs> you can, Nick. Whenever you catch anyone, you just need to say the name of our podcast. Scream at people for all, all you like. I mean, we had that later in the episode, and we will be getting to that because it greatly amused me. But I was, I was actually personally offended that she messed up the name of our podcast. This show is just advertising for us. There's, there's nothing else to it. I mean, it'd be good if next series it could be your time when the run is over, the official unofficial hunted podcast available on com. That would be good. <laughs> All I want is your time in the run, the hunted podcast from Reality TV Warriors is up. That's it. Or <laughs> over, or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not fussy, as long as we get those sweet, <laughs> sweet downloads. But the question that did come up from uh, from Mark Doyle is, does Nick have the record for captures now? She must have must have um because not all of the hunters have been in all five seasons anyway and uh, yeah her hit rate is is good why don't you have a spreadsheet on this michael because i'm i might be sad but i'm not that sad (laughs) i think you need to do a spreadsheet now that anthony's brought it up yeah i'm I'm not doing that you can start right off (laughs) be a good excuse to go back i wouldn't watch them all again yeah I've i've got better things to think about sorry but yeah i can't think of another hunter who probably averages at least two or three captures a series. No, uh, I can't either. The reason that I won't go back and do um, do a spreadsheet like that is the fact that how do you categorise, for example, the ending of last year? Because there are about 400 teams involved in capturing people. Is it literally the person who puts the hand on the shoulder and goes, your time in the run is over? Or if you're yes. butchering it, your time in yes. the run is up? Or, yes. or is it the people involved? No. No. It's- it's the person who says the phrase. It's, really <laughs> it's the one simple. who's next to them. Yeah, that's why are you even bringing the rest of it up? Why four of them scream it at the same time? They don't, though. But it's never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you count people going, come on, please, please just give yourself up? 
No, it's the person. This is really simple. I can't make it any simpler. It's the person who taps him on the shoulder and says, your time on the run is over slash up slash your nicked pal. Whatever the phrase they happen to use, it doesn't matter. It's that person. But what if a pair of hunters (laughs) put one hand each on the shoulders and say at the same time, do we count both at the same time or do we just count one of them? Only if they say... It's never happened. Only if they say jinx. Oh, my gosh. So I think we can agree the rules are a little bit muddy on this. <laughs> In your poor, muddled up mind, yes. And out of podcast note, in 303 episodes, I don't think either of you have laughed at me that hard, so I'm quite proud of that one. <laughs> and at the same time. <laughs> and Tony says that she's sorry to meet Sherlock like this and gets frog marched out by Nick and Kyam while wearing a GoPro, weirdly. She wasn't wearing a GoPro when she was hiding. She was, you know, wearing it when she left. Yeah, that was a bit weird. I wonder, I wonder if they were considering um, reshooting the capture. You mean to tell me that this show is fake? How <laughs> dare you? No way. What's, what's the phrase they use in American reality shows? It's something like certain sequences that are non-consequential may have been... Parts of this episode that do not affect um, results may have been um, may have been recreated. Yeah, something like that. Because it was a bit of a disappointing capture. It would have been better if she could have maybe got out the back door and, and had a little bit of a chase down. So maybe they, were, maybe they filmed that and then realised, actually, we've, we've got too many of them in the series, we don't need it. And unlike our very own Michelle Pierce Denovan, she says she's really excited to go home and see her family. <laughs> and her pigs, and her snake, and her dogs. And her long-suffering husband. So we go back to Ella and Jess, because they gave them the runaround in the North Yorkshire Dales, and Helen wants to know their plan. And then we get reintroduced to Rob and Ben, who are close friends, both living at home, both 24. And Colin says they're particularly mummies boys, and Helen says it'll be a massive challenge for them. Yeah, this this phrasing is coming up far too often, so I'm going to put it out there that they get caught when one of them goes to visit their mum. They did say it themselves in the first episode as well. Yeah, it's been we've been bashed over the head with mummies, boys, can't cope, all the rest of it, immature, we get a scene about gaming. This has all got to lead somewhere, hasn't it? I mean, we know where the gaming bit of that leads, because it's in this episode. Yeah. But it's, it's a whole narrative, isn't it, around their big kids? Did you just miss Ella and Jessica when they, they touched on them very briefly? No, I said they were giving the hunters the runaround in the North Yorkshire Dales and Helen wants to know their plan. Yeah. yeah, but why did she say that it was tougher than she thought it would be? I mean, it's it's a tough show. You can see it when you watch the others. I don't understand. I don't know. Some people who've won have had it very good. <laughs> I think Joe and Dan only spent about two days camping in the entire four weeks. Yeah, yeah. They were very clever. Yeah, they only did that because they're much smarter than uh, people have ever given them credit for. Yeah, they were massively mm. under-edited from a strategy point of view, weren't they? Yeah, because we're, gra- we're actually going to get to something that they did that comes back up in this episode fairly soon. And then we, we see uh, Rob and Ben hitchhiking in a Jaguar, ignoring them. And then Frankie and Dan are reintroduced, and HQ are unsure of their relationship. And Sherlock wants to know who they'll contact. And they realise that Frankie is close to her sister Lois. If they contact her, she'll drop everything to help. And then we find out where they actually are, which is that they've been staying with friends moving from city to city, and are described not as exes, but as a former couple. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think their relationship would be what Facebook would term as complicated. Mm, because it looks like she wants to get back together. Sounds like it. And I'm not sure he does, because they describe themselves as good friends and could be a bit closer, maybe. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> which which he doesn't capitalise on in any way at all. <laughs> he, just, he just lets that go. So, yeah, I don't think so. And then she's speaking to the camera, and eats a fly, and vomits into the grass. (laughs) (laughs) And they say they're prepared to rough it, but as little as possible. And then Frankie speaks my truth by saying that nature is not for me. Yes. So, what, they're going to have to use friends, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would be very surprised if they make it much further. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. They're pretty much on to them now. And and they can't they can't go off grid because they've got the skills. So they'll slip up, and someone will link them back. I did think though, while um, Mark and Carl were looking at the the gear, why don't they put like RFID tags in the sleeping bags? Well, yeah. Spoilers if you've not watched the heist, but they literally put a tracker in someone's bag at some point to try and keep a track on it. So all you need to do is just get a little tile tag, put it in the sleeping bag. I don't know why they didn't do that, because that was my first thought as well. If you know the bags are there, you make it look like they've not been disturbed, and you stick something in there to track it. Yeah, that mm. easy. Because then you can literally just corner them. Not that they needed much help to corner them, but we'll get to that in a minute. And we get reintroduced to my new favourite hunter, Mark, and his partner, Carl, because they are dispatched to Frankie's home in the abomination of a city that is Birmingham. 173 complaints earned by that city. <laughs> And Lois is potentially one of the worst liars we've ever seen on Hunted. She's pretty poor. God. It's that bad that the camera just focuses on her hands. <laughs> yeah. I know, and she, you know, he said to her, you know, you can't keep eye contact. I'm pretty sure that I could keep eye contact while lying and not veer off. Yeah. I was thinking the same. I don't think it's that difficult. Anyone who's ever seen or read anything about being interviewed by the police is you give them as little information as is physically possible so you don't tell lies and don't trip up on anything. It's not difficult. You give them the bare essential information and you just don't give them anything. It doesn't matter if they think you're lying. It matters if they can prove you're lying. If you give far too much information... You're just setting yourself up for, for failure and anyone around you up for failure if you're trying to cover for someone. But she doesn't even need to cover. She can say, yes, I know the plan. Sorry, I'm telling you. That's it. And you just don't give it any information of where the plan is or whether it's on the phones because, let's be honest, they're probably going to search through your phones regardless, even if they don't think you're that suspicious. Yeah. Mm. But who was, who was the guy who he's, he's deleted all his messages anyway? Oh, that was um, that was Dan's friend Andy. We'll get to him in a minute. Oh yeah. my god, deadpan! He just he just looked at the hunters deadpan. I loved it. So they are actually staying in Stockport with a friend, and Frankie's excited about using a toilet. <laughs> yeah. And she says she'll never be camping again. No, I don't think she will. I don't think they're going to get time to go camping again. <laughs> and they are meeting Dan's friend Andy, who has their bags and cash in Manchester, and. HQ find a voice note from Andy to Lois about helping Dan and Frankie out, which is, and I quote, are you supposed to give me a card or something? Like, you know, a debit card or something like that. Mark and Carl interview him. He can't lie for toffee, but it's wonderful because he actually knows the rules and just gives them as little as is physically possible. Yeah, yeah. 
It's a bit weird though that whole voice note thing. It, it it didn't sound like a voice note. It sounded like a snippet of a conversation. I wonder whether people are trying to get around the rules slightly and be a bit creative, mm. because we see it again with the Xbox Live thing, and there is a yep. reason that you know we have a bit of information on the Xbox Live thing, but we'll get there in a minute. But I wonder whether they're trying to use the voice notes to get around it, thinking that HQ can't track them. Wrong. They're trying yeah. to use the more creative um, methods of actually contacting people, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Did, did I, do I remember this rightly that they stopped them using WhatsApp because they can't because they can't hack it? Yeah, I was going to get to that. It's the the uh, Joe and Dan rule because yes, in the first 10 minutes or so of um, Series 3 of Hunted, Joe and Dan used WhatsApp voice call to call one of their brothers to come and pick them up because they started in St. Peter's Square, so it was, they were by far the most local. And apparently they got told, under no uncertain terms, were they ever allowed to do that again? It's super creative, but if you do it again, the Hunters are going to get your exact location immediately. Yeah, because it's completely encrypted, isn't it? There's no way of getting into that. Because there's no way of the police normally getting into that, and there's certainly no way to show it on the screen and let HQ replicate the powers of the state for it, because there are no powers of the state for it. No. Which may feed into why they didn't get much of an edit, is the fact that maybe they pissed some people off with that. But just because they're clever and they thought of a way around it, it shouldn't piss them off. No. Maybe. I mean, I'm just trying to think, what, two years after the fact as to why the hell Joe and Dan really weren't shown that much when they were really fun in what we saw of them. And they're really fun to mm. be around. They're super fun guys. I suspect it was just more of the same and the, and the, they just got nowhere near them and there was no way of burying that. It would have been so obvious they were winning, I think, if they'd have shown too much more. And... Andy does hand his phone over, but he's deleted all the messages, and HQ correctly are convinced he's involved. Yeah, I don't know why, but I put in my notes, they continue monitoring him. He'll screw up, guaranteed. (laughs) And what do you know? (laughs) He does do quite a big screw-up, actually. So we go back to Rob and Ben, who are in Ross on Y, and manage to get a free room if they potwash. And they met playing football when they were 16 or 17. Sounds romantic, but it is not. (laughs) <laughs> I like how they got a free room but they asked for a single bed and I think they got a double yeah they did yeah they did alright and uh, they're both homeboys going on the run will be the first time they've ever had to fend for themselves yeah yeah again we get these guys are useless it's not that they're useless it's that they're not world wise I know but it's just so heavy handed it, it's got to go somewhere this has it's just mm. too much every opportunity mm. Ben and Rob don't know what they're doing. It, it's just, yeah, I don't know why. Unless it's a massive fake out and they make it to the end and that becomes the whole story of, ah, see, we can do things. Yeah, I'm leaning towards it being that rather than uh, rather than it being, they're going to get caught because they're stupid. I think it's going to be, yeah, we're not worldwide, but also we did manage to sneak past you. Yeah, that, that's where I started to go. Because they're still in it three episodes in, if they're that useless, they probably would have gone. And also, we still don't actually know what day this was on. This could have been really early, it could have been really late. I would lean towards it being really early, because it's Ross and Y, and that's Wales. So this could have been, like, day three or four. Yeah, yeah, it's not not geographically that far away from where they started. And arguably they do um, 
they do get the the lift 80 miles south to Berkshire eventually. But we don't know the timeline on this. They could be they could still be in like day three or four here and then head off to to Liverpool or whatever to do the Champions League parade. Because I'm still convinced it's Rob who does that. Mm-hmm. You think? You think it's that early? Well, the Liverpool parade was the first of June, which is about day. Oh, eight. so you know, yeah. And Rob is the only person who we know for certain is a Liverpool fan in this cast. And no one else would go to the Liverpool parade willingly if if they weren't a Liverpool fan, let's be honest. Because they are one of those football teams that everybody hates. Speaking as someone who A, hates football, or doesn't enjoy football at all, and B, someone who lives near Manchester, and therefore can say these things. But, I mean, maybe geographically Dan and Haley would have been there, but I think it's probably more likely to have been Rob, if anyone. Mm -hmm. Certainly the indications we've had is that it probably would end up being Rob, if anyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go along with that. So Holly, who works in the hotel, brings them a beer each, and they are in the King's Head, uh, the King's Head Inn. And they were spotted buying a burner phone in Northwich, which is Cheshire, and HQ yep. don't have the information on that. And so, of course, what do they do? Use a burner phone to phone an own number. Brilliant. The other thing that makes me think that this is monkeying with the timeline is the fact that Northwich is Cheshire, and is therefore putting them quite close to Liverpool. So we could actually see them go up to Liverpool down to Northwich, and then back down to Ross and Rye, and then to Berkshire. And they just show the Liverpool parade afterwards, because they've not actually confirmed the timeline. Mm. Can you tell me why people are still ringing known numbers? Like, it doesn't matter what phone you have. It doesn't matter if you've just bought a phone at a shop. Do they watch the other series? (laughs) This came up on the ice this year, in that one of the fugitives or criminals, whatever you want to call them, bought five SIM cards using a credit card that she owns before the heist. And they essentially used her to connect everything. But whenever you buy a SIM card or a burner phone, it is registered to the location where you bought it. They can get that information because they have to report it legally as to where these things have been bought. So it's silly because... As soon as they know you bought a burner phone, they will get the burner phone number because they can just put in a freedom of information request or whatever with the supermarket and say, what rando Nokia 3210s have been bought from your store? They will have to tell them. They can get the burner phone number off that straight away. They can then just put that on monitoring. But also, if you're going to buy one burner phone, buy two. Yeah. <laughs> buy two, post one to your brother or whatever, and use it for covert communication. <laughs> But I think you guys know as well as I do that they do have to contact home. Well, yeah, they do. So this is why, in reality. We're kind of skirting around the issue, but this is why. Yes. And they are complete opposites on social media. Rob's presence is very clean and charity-focused because he runs marathons, etc. for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And Ben used to run a Twitter parody account called About a Lad. And despite them blurring out the account <laughs> name, they actually said the account name on the episode. Oh, no! Brilliant editing there. <laughs> and somehow they found out that Ben sent a naked picture on the account and Sherlock describes him quite beautifully actually as a social hand grenade yeah that's a really interesting phrase so it felt like that was a bit of foreshadowing as well if they do come and stuck I wonder if they do a bit of taunting on Twitter or something oh I definitely think that they're likely to taunt on Twitter it would be them or Dan I think off of Haley. yeah 
I mean, if Dan Offerfaley gets his dick out for the Hunters next week, as, as we see he does, then yeah, he's going to be the sort of person who taunts the Hunters, I think. I think so. And Sherlock identifies Ben Arrowsmith as a threat because he doesn't like other Bens, and identifies him as a weakness. <laughs> I'm just working under the assumption that he, d- he doesn't like Ben because he's called Ben. <laughs> Unless otherwise stated, we can only be one Ben on this show and it's him. <laughs> can we call him uh, Little oh. Sherlock? <laughs> And I'm glad neither of you are Ben, then. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like us for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like us because we vandalised his Wikipedia page, gave him a, a patronising nickname, and teased him for four years now. Mm-hmm. I think he could change his Wikipedia page if he wanted to. Oh, he could, but then that would be admitting defeat and admitting that I'd won. Mm-hmm. And Rob says that he talks a good game, but acts like a four-year-old. Yeah. I'm really struggling to figure out what their narrative is now. I, I don't know. Maybe they win. Yeah, I don't know. And to arrange the delivery of bikes from Ben's brother, they're going to use Ben's cousin's Xbox Live account, and they are in the fields behind his house. <laughs> but in order to use the covert communication, they ring him. What the hell? It's, it's not your granddad ringing up to see if you're ready for a Skype. You, you've got. You should. You need to prearrange this. There is no point <laughs> ringing someone. No point ringing someone to say I'm gonna re- I'm gonna speak to you on the Xbox. What's the point of that? You've just told everybody now. This is crazy. I know. Just speak on the Xbox any day, and everyone's looking at it to see if you speak. Like seriously, you sound like me then. Frustration. Stupid. Yeah, I was gonna say. Can we just have a stupid please, Anne? <laughs> <laughs> it is stupid. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, as soon as you ring someone, HQ are going to get the cell site data, and if you're going rural as they kind of were with being in the fields behind the cousin's house, then yeah, that gives them quite a lot of um, of areas to cover, but it narrows the country down, Yes. and more importantly, if there is a known associate who lives in that area, obviously they're going to look at that person's house. Yeah, bit of a leap, I thought, on get on the box, oh, I wonder if they mean Xbox. That was definitely hours of work. Yeah, that's a lot. As much as I believe that Colin is a massive gamer, given the amount of travel that he does on his Instagram, I don't think he do- uses Xbox Live much. Uh, it was a very quick... Hmm, what could that mean? Oh, Xbox maybe. Yeah, it could have been anything. I'm wondering whether they gave a list of passwords so that HQ could hack, in inverted commas, in, and Xbox is on their list. Possible. And that's how they made the connection. Mm. But of course they can't show these sort of things on TV that, oh, they gave a list of passwords because that takes you out of the hunt. Yeah. So they have to make this mm. kind of leap in logic. Yeah. Mm. So Paul and Jill are the nearest team and are dispatched to investigate and Helen correctly guesses Xbox and Colin knows about Xbox Live and they are definitely gamers. And thanks to the Joe and Dan rule, we can pretty much assume that because this is a covert use of... Uh, of communication that HQ find out immediately where they are and what the account names are and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Joe and Dan. Their legacy continues, as well as being the uh, the equal longest-serving um, hunted winners now, with Bob and Alex. <laughs> and Ben makes the call. HQ identify James, who's Ben's cousin, and realise that Ben is at James's house in order to do the communication. And then Ben's mum goes on the chats, and she tells him not to let those fuckers beat them. Yeah, that's oh nice my god! I already love Ben's mum. 
<laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, the 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 show was already very sweary, and then that happened, and I'm like, oh, what can I do now? Like seriously, when you've got an older lady talking like that, you just you you yeah, no hope. How old would you put her? Sort of late forties, early fifties. <laughs> how, how, how many pigs does she own? <laughs> and Ben, for some reason, decides to play Fortnite against Charlie while he's there. Well, yeah, arms. At least play a good game. Well, that's all right. It's cool. I mean, as someone who is a massive gaming snob, I'm obviously going to go into this. Fortnite is terrible as a game. Fortnite is essentially pay to win, and people shouldn't be giving Epic Games so much money for it. You should get a real console. <laughs> and Rob correctly gets skittish and drags Ben out of the house. And as Jill jumps the fence, she says, Please don't eat me, dog. I like that. That was a nice little touch. And the house yet again is empty as they've missed them because the boys are already on their bikes and away from the area. Yeah, and, and just to make it nice and clear for the hunters, the cousin's gone out as well now, has he? <laughs> can't, can't have one person in the house. No, it has to be empty. Need an empty house. And now we get to our final segment, which is just a delightful chain of events. It's so fun. So in Stockport, Dan gets nervous, and Kay is taking them to meet Andrew in Manchester, and Frankie's worried that they'll be sitting ducks. And HQ get the intercepts on the call between Dan and Andy, because Andy forgot about the meet-up, and Dan and Frankie are sitting ducks. Yep. And in ringing Andy, HQ also get Kay's information... Frankie says they have no supplies and no choice but to try and contact those close to them. No, you need to get out of the area immediately. You've rung someone who's a known associate on a new phone that HQ now know about, that HQ are going to track the location of immediately. And they are ringing so many people yes. that it's hard for HQ to track who who or what to follow up on. <laughs> I did like this. It's like they're, they're unintentionally helping themselves by not being very good. Yeah, the, the problem is that they had no... It wasn't intentional that they did this. No, they've, they've, no. they've, they've flooded them with intelligence by being incompetent. <laughs> they've fallen arse backwards into a good tactic. Yeah. And Mark and Carl are dispatched to Kay's address, and Dan gets through to his friend Richard, who can take them to Halifax after 4pm. And then Aisha realises that with only one ground team, they can't cover front and back of the property. And then Dan pops his head around the curtains and sees Mark and Carl. And he's wearing a GoPro. Hey, that's handy. Yes. And now we need to talk about how Hunter Mark is my new favourite Hunter. Because he was miserable this episode. He looked like he wanted <laughs> to be anywhere else in the world than chasing people around Stockport. And it was really quite fun for me. Because every time you see him, he looked genuinely depressed. And it was making <laughs> me laugh so hard. And like when he when he bangs on the door, he tries for the preemptive your time and the runs over. He just sounds bored by that concept. When he chases Dan <laughs> through the fields, he's like, Oh come on, please give up. Please. <laughs> yeah. Just stop, Dan. Stop. You're surrounded, just come on, give it up. And it it just really made me laugh this episode that as much as obviously we love all of the hunters, Mark just generally looked like he was really not enjoying himself this week. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. He wanted to catch somebody. What did Dan throw over the fence? Did he throw something over the fence before? Yeah, burner phone, I think. But then, he, then it was in his hand oh, later. Yeah, he, he picked it up from the. He the picked ground. It. Why did he throw it? 
You can climb over. Because yeah. he needed his hands free to jump over the fence. How did he get the camera on so quickly? So maybe if they know the hunters are close, the photographers, uh, the uh, cameraman maybe is told, look, can you put a, a camera on him now? Yeah, I think so. But then do you use that as a fugitive as a hint that maybe the hunters are going to be close and you should, you know, get the hell away from the area? Yeah. Mm. But, you know, they've got to make it fair, haven't they? So it could well be that they say, right, here's what's going to happen. We're putting a GoPro on you. Obviously, that means they're close. However, we're going to hold you here until the point where you would realise that they're onto you and then you can scarper. Mm. Because Dan does make a run for it out of the back of the property. Which leads to the clip that we see in the intro of Carl saying, movement of the garden, movement of the garden, and vaults over gardens to try and escape, and genuinely impressive athletic ability doing that repeatedly. Yeah, mm. good, good job. Even more impressive athletic ability is the cameraman following him doing it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> also vaulting over fences, and also doing it with a camera on his back. Yeah, well done. And then Mark tries to beg for him to give it up, because he's contained entirely within Cheadle Wood. And Colin spots that he's boxed in by the A34, and there's only one bridge to use to escape. And for some reason, Mark and Carl don't go to that bridge. They instead just kind of sit there with a thumb up their arse and try and chase him through Cheetah Wood. Yeah, this was an odd sequence. Really mm. weird. Like, like, they know there's two fugitives, yet they both chase after one. They don't go to where they know he's going to go, but instead let him get away and then go, then stroll back to the house, it seems. Also, if you were profiling these two, would you put all your resources into Frankie, or would you put all your resources into Dan? Uh, Dan, it, Dan, because Frankie would get caught very easily with, uh, without Dan, I'm thinking. Exactly. That's my assumption on why they went all in on Dan, is because they already know that as soon as Frankie gets spooked, she's probably going to contact her sister. Yeah, fair. So she's an easier capture later. And then Mark and Carl realise that they never saw Frankie, and that she could still be in the house, and she realises this too, and locks the back door. And the episode ends with Carl returning to the property to see if Frankie's in there. She makes a runner out the front, with the camera person shakily following behind. Yeah, like, you should have gone about ten minutes ago, Frankie, really. (laughs) And all of the headlines, when I googled this yesterday after watching the episode, were... Everyone on Twitter found this hilarious that uh, that Dan unhunted abandoned his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I think you're slightly kind of twisting the truth there. It's not that he abandoned his ex-girlfriend. It's that he made a run for it to try and make sure one of them won. Yeah. Exactly. I th- you're not thinking about it in that moment anyway, are you? You're making a run. He's, he's probably assuming she's ten yards behind him, to be honest. Well, yeah. And also, if you're in hunted as a pair, as long as one of you wins, you both earn money. Yeah. Surely. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're going on as a pair of strangers, which for the record, would love to see as a twist next series. Pair people up as strangers. Because that would be so much fun. But unless you're going on as a pair of strangers, you can pretty much assume there is the agreement between those that pair of people that they will share any money that they win between them. Yeah. I don't know if we've established, do they get the full share if one of them makes it? If one person overall makes it? No, so, so let's Say you two pairs, right? Two pairs make it to the end. They got half the money each. Yeah. If a pair and one person of another pair both make it, do they still split it fifty-fifty, or do they have a third each? No, it's a third each. Okay. Oh. So, it's, so it's not the it's not the number of teams that make it to the end. It's the number of individuals. Okay. Really? 
I thought if there was two, I thought if there was one full team and say one person from the other team, they just get split in half because one team has got it and part of the other team has got it. No, because then you go into the grey area of, for example, what had happened if Tony had escaped and got to the end and she got there with Dan and Haley. Then would she get 50 grand and Dan and Haley yeah. only get 25 yeah. each? Yeah. No, it would yeah. it would be split between three people That's because there's three thought. people. No, that's not fair. They don't treat them as teams. They treat them as individuals for, for the prize money. Oh, no, but it's harder to do something by yourself than with someone else to, to lean on. And, yeah. and I, I agree that with Anthony that you should just get half. Whatever the te- How many yeah. teams are there represented should get an equal portion. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm positive because if you look at the cast this year, there's 10 people. So that obviously, if everyone got their 100 grand split equally, would be 10 grand each. But also, the six teams, so you wouldn't, if everyone got to the end, they wouldn't all get 17 grand each, would they? They'd get 10 grand each, because there's four, pair, four pairs to individuals. No, I, I like my way better. I don't know. I'm sure you do, but that's not the rules. It's the individuals that make it there. <laughs> yes. Okay. I hate to break it, you two, but that's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't so mean I have to like it. So there's no advantage to being a single contestant then well the advantage is you don't have to deal with anyone who's a hanger on yeah i suppose the advantage is you're literally responsible for your own mistakes there's no one dragging you down yeah okay yeah you might be right okay well you've obviously done your research well no i'm i'm 100 right because mathematically it doesn't make sense <laughs> so next time uh birmingham dan makes a runner with literally nothing including his coats Wigan Dan gets his dick out for the hunters. Sherlock says they won't be stupid enough to risk £100,000 for a dog. And Michelle notices a missing fiesta. Yeah, and they clearly are stupid enough to risk it for a dog. Yeah, and unlike normal, I actually cannot read out the Radio Times description for next week. Because it does spoil what happens with the cliffhanger. Why? It spoils whether Frankie makes it or not. Oh, gosh. Rubbish. <laughs> Fun fact though, the week five one which did come out this morning does not actually spoil anything for next week. <laughs> Bizarre. Which is fun. You must have different people writing it and some people understand the show and some people don't understand the show. Well, I don't understand why next week's one is so spoilerific because if I was here next week I would obviously read it out first thing next week to kind of prove how spoilerific it is. But I don't understand why for once it is really, really spoilerific when the Channel 4 one itself really isn't. Hmm. The Channel 4 one is ambiguous. The Radio Times one isn't. The Radio Times one specifically says what happens. What bizarre thing to do. What do you guys think is going to happen next week, though? Well, I was totally wrong last week, so really, uh, it's going to be a pair getting caught. I think think either Frankie or Daniel will get caught. Interesting. Interesting, he says. I, I, I suspect Frankie will get caught because... Um, they could have caught her at the end of this episode really easily and they haven't so I think that'll be first five minutes and then then we'll have loads of her being interrogated I would imagine. And next week's Channel 4 description, because I'll read that one out because it isn't spoilerific, is Dan lands in a friendly Cheshire neighbourhood but can he trust his new friends? Desperately missing her dog, Hayley risks capture by trying to meet up with her pup. Stupid move. Stupid move. (laughs) I've turned into Michelle this episode. Stupid! (laughs) Why, why would you go back for a dog? <laughs> Michelle, can you do me one favour? 
Uh, Seems I'm going to miss it next week. Can you do an impression of Haley uh, pining for a dog? I can't. I don't know. I can't. I haven't heard any Wigan. <laughs> no. All you have to say is, I'm really missing my dog. Oh my god, I don't know. Say it for me first. And can you say it please? Because I'm giggling too much. <laughs> what would it sound like? Something like, oh, I'm really missing my dog. No, that doesn't sound North. It does? Really missing my dog. Sounds Aussie to me. <laughs> Sounded more Scottish to me, though. It does sound quite Scottish, actually, which is very northern. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I obviously know kind of what happens next week about whether Dan or Frankie get captured thanks to the frigging Radio Times description, but I'm leaning towards Dan and Haley probably making it. Yeah, I think And so. I think after this week, Rob and Ben probably as well. Yeah, I, it it's the only outcome that makes sense, really. It's just an odd edit. Yeah, it's a really odd edit. Yeah, Dan and Haley, Ben and Rob, Frankie definitely caught. I suspect Dan gets caught from me, Dan. Yeah, I think that's the only way it can go. Then, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'm gutted that I'm missing the next two weeks. Mm. Stupid scheduling. I'll still be watching, and I'll still be, you know. Sending you guys voice notes that the hunters can intercept. Do you need a debit card? Um, I mean, yeah, if you want to send me a debit card, happily. <laughs> Good luck using mine. <laughs> we got anything you want to say before you guys do a takeover next week? Oh, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it this week. Um, Best episode of the series yeah. so far. Yeah, it was good. Some some good moments. Lots of stupidity. It was good. Not enough Dan and Haley though. No. No. But I think that plays into they'd probably make it and there isn't enough to show other than... They could have a nick edit of them just skipping through the fields, giving fun testimonials, but, yeah, whatever. So thank you for listening to our Hunted Recap. Anthony and Michelle will be back next week for another episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Anthony is on Twitter at Bullsboy, Michelle's on Twitter at Bear3... And I am MJ Halpstone. They will see you next week, but with that... Your time in the run is over. Bye. Bye. Bye.